Playing with Velvet Tom. And now, your host, with really bad timing, Velvet Tom. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, good whenever you are listening to this. This is Bad Timing with Velvet Tom. I'm your host, lover, loser, legend, Velvet Tom. I'm happy to have you here. Thank you four hardcore fans who listen to this every week. I appreciate you. And for those of you who are new to the show, hello, welcome, come on in. It's a friendly place to listen to artists have a conversation with me and tell me about what they're doing. It's called bad timing for a reason because 2020... I think people, myself, others, had their sights set a little higher for this new decade in this new millennia, but COVID-19 has devastated us, ravaged us, the world. Even Europe is seeing a spike. this is Sunday, uh, the Sunday after the dueling town halls, and what we saw was um, uh, quite duality in what we're voting for. So just a reminder, get out there and vote, folks. Uh, also, go to my website, velvettom.com, for all things Velvet Tom. It will take you anywhere you want to go. It's your vehicle, baby. So go to velvettom.com. That'll take you to my YouTube, my Instagram, my Twitter. I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter, at least on that account, because Twitter is... It's Thunderdome. I've said it once. I'll say it again. Uh, But uh, hit me up on Facebook. You know, the Facebook page, it's a little sad. So go up there and show it a little happiness. I appreciate you, and uh, settle in, because this is another great episode. Speaking with my good friend, Mari Levitan, who is currently a uh, producing animation at DreamWorks. How about that? How exciting is that? Of course, their cam- campus, if you're aware, is amazing, but no one is on campus because of COVID-19, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, that, but we're going to talk about how she came around to animation and where it all started and where she started and how she got the bug to entertain and uh, produce and how she looks at herself as a producer and that's important because that's something that I've talked about in the past is that a lot of people come out here starry-eyed surprise wanting to be in acting but they discover another um, they discover another part of the business that is satisfying and amazing and comes with moving parts and comes with learning new tools and sometimes you get wrapped up in that and I can share her love of animation something that I've always wanted to transition to you know adult animation I think is probably a growing thing especially for stars who can't go on sets they're going to lend their voices to new adult animation so it's kind of like Prepare for a majority of your shows to be 
animated on streaming. I mean, there's going to be some live stuff, but chances are there's probably going to be some mocap things, you know, like a la Polar Express. You know, we'll get to see digital John Hamm or digital Larry David. You know, I don't know why I picked those two. I think I was hearing something about those two talking, but Mari is a very exciting person. I've known her for 10 years, and I was so excited to get to talk to her. I haven't really seen her in person for months. I don't know if I've seen her in person even the beginning of this year. I, I think that our improv group, our independent improv group that we uh, perform with, with my last week's guest, Jen Barlow, uh, we have not been able together. We got together on Zoom, and it was like we got together in person because uh, there was a dynamic that just showed up there, even on the Zoom screen, that I thought was pretty fantastic. Um, this is an intro has gone on long, and it stayed pretty positive. You should have heard my other takes. But I did want to talk about uh, white pri privilege, white fragility. Um, and I'm going to use probably the most white privileged example. I think of it as a, a white a white onion. Think of your white privilege as a white onion and it's every little thin-skinned layer you pull back you discover a new part of the onion but if you disrupt peeling that skin back you cry and that is still a privileged place to be for white people to discover their layers of racism and you know i mean i know a lot of white people don't like to be called racist, and mostly it's probably because they're racist. But uh, what I have discovered is casual racism, just the, the casual racism of thinking that you're okay to do things that uh, would, be, would seem uh, offensive uh, to your uh, friends of color and those around you. So uh, that's my little stupid analogy uh, for that. It's just that every little thin layer that you get to delicately pull back in your time, Tom, Velvet Tom, and cry at the, at the peeling back of it. Because every time you peel back a layer, you realize just how small that onion gets and that size of that onion represents uh, how much you know. <laughs> And to be clear, Mari is a production supervisor for a DreamWorks project that's coming out next year. Can't really say much than that. Uh, but just know that uh, she is supervising a wonderful team of uh, artists to bring you a great project. All right, folks. I love you. Let's get down to this episode with my good buddy, somebody that I would cross seas and hike deserts just to be able to perform with, my good friend, Mari Levitan. We're recording already. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now I'll get my best behavior now. Just now. Please do not be on your best oh, behavior. Okay, this is this is no time. This All right, I'll be rude. Office, Mari. <laughs> you just got off work so uh yeah we're just gonna have a little conversation what the hell have you been up to we all had grand plans for this year 
what are you still doing artistically uh, to keep from, I imagine, going insane among all the other responsibilities that I know that you have, plus you being very politically active going for forward with Joe Biden. So that's all I want. Just those things. Okay. <laughs> well, um, we'll start with just like artistically, um, you know, I've been trying to learn the ukulele a little deeper. So I've been learning new songs and I, you know, my mom lives in Florida right now because she, she's a snowbird. She lives in Jersey in the winter and comes south to Florida in the, you know, I mean, Florida in the winter. And then she goes back north in the summertime. Mm -hmm. And COVID hit in March, right when she was about to turn around and go back to New Jersey. And she's, you know, she's almost 80 years old and um, she's by herself. Her sister normally lives there. They're like the golden girls in Florida. And um, they're very cute. <laughs> and, um, but her sister went back to her other home in Michigan. So she was by herself and, you know, um, I, I thought, well, I'm so blessed that I have a job that I can work from home as long as there's Wi-Fi. So whether I'm working in uh, Timbuktu, LA or Florida, it doesn't matter. I've got Wi-Fi. So um, I thought maybe this would be a good opportunity to spend quality time with my mom. And um, it's actually worked out really well in a way. I mean, this is one of the best silver linings that has come out of this mm. um, because I haven't lived with my mother in a long-term kind of way since I was in high school, really. I went off to college at, to Michigan, University of Michigan. And, uh, you know, ever since then, anytime I visit, it would be like a week here, a week there, maybe high holidays. Um, I'd fly back to Jersey. And then when I was living in Los Angeles, same thing. So, um, yeah, this has been four months with mama. <laughs> so, okay, yeah. So yeah, like sort of like towards the end of July, you went down to Florida and stayed with your mom and your sister. It was like the beginning of July, actually. Beginning of July. July 1st was the date. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's been really, it's been so great. Um, I've just had some really treasured moments with her. And um, I, I just feel like this couldn't be the, couldn't be any better given the situation. I mean, there's so many other things about this situation that is horrible. And, you know, a lot of people are going through a lot. So I don't want to like, I'm not trying to downplay that, but you know, you do try to find, well, where are the positives? And, and that has been one. And she, she plays a piano. She's an amazing pianist and she, she plays mostly by ear. She doesn't really read music much. Brilliant. She's all about listening and just, you know, so how fun is it? I get to jam with mama, you know? I mean, <laughs> this has been so special. Like we've just been having so much fun. We have a couple more songs that I'm like, we should it within the next couple of weeks. We've already been practicing some more songs to do. And, and then as you know, I'm in the a ukulele orchestra and we've been doing like quarantine style ukulele band where one person will do a song uh -huh. And then we will, each of us will, it'll get dropped in a drop box. So everybody in the band will listen to it um, in, with earbuds or something. And then they will sync their own ukulele and singing 
with that and record themselves. And then we all put it into a Dropbox, which then one person will take all of it and edit it so it's all synced together. Because as you know- All the sausages you know, made. Oh, wow. And the what? That's how, it's, that's how it's done because uh, yeah. to interject, you, uh, your ukulele band had this epic version of Mr. Blue Sky. One of my, I mean, if not favorite songs, one of my favorite ELO tunes. And, uh, and now I know how you did that because Secret. it was so, so wonderfully synchronized that I thought that this was just a recorded Zoom session, but you really, that's, so thank you very much for letting us. I know. answered that for you. Yeah, a lot of people are like, how did you guys sync? You know, because you know when you're on Zoom, if you try to sing with people or it's all over the map, you know, it's just an echo and it's confusing. So that's how we did it. We, we um, sunk ourselves to one guy and then, you know, Course. there is that one guy there's the one well it every song you know each of our songs in this band there's one or two people that are sort of the leads on that particular song so we kind of designate hey you're the one to start this one up and then th that guy will film himself doing it and you know and then so on that's something i mean you're still sort of using lingo of if you were in the same room with one another. Hey, start us off, Charlie, you know, and then- Yeah, start us off, and then three months later, here it is. Wow. <laughs> that, that or not, is maybe three weeks later, yeah. So. something. Now, I wanna go back to Florida for a second now. Yeah. Any sort of old habits with your mom living together? Like, did any sort of uh, stuff that you recall when, when you last lived with your mom? Any- uh, well, you know, I think it's realizing that she is older now, you know, I mean, um, now that I see her in her routine, yeah. she, she does like old lady things now that I'm like, wait, old lady people do this, not my mom, but then I'm like, wait, she's old. Yeah. <laughs> you have to remember, she's not, you know, the lady that dropped you off at college in, uh, I mean, obviously I know that even since then, but when you're with someone long-term, like those routine things, like yeah. every morning she has got to watch the prices right every morning. And to me, that's kind of an old lady thing. Like that's just, it is to me, I don't know, but it's really fun to watch. She's just like, I just, and she says it every day. I just love watching other people be so happy about winning. They look so happy. And she just enjoys watching regular normal people be ecstatic about winning stuff. And that brings her pure joy. It's really, it's just great. And, it, and it's every day. She does not miss it. And if we have an errand to do in the morning um, that will intersect, um, I'm like, hey, you know, because she's like, I don't want to miss prices right. So I always record it for her. And I've taught her how to record. She has like a DVR, but she doesn't really remember how to use it. So I have to remind her every time. I'm going to record it. Remember, this is how you do it. This is the button, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't, you know, certain things don't stick. So that would be another, you know, old lady thing that I'm noticing. You know, you just have to reteach over and over. And some things stick here and there, and then they forget forgetful, or it gets forgotten the next week or whatever. But, um, you know, we're trying. Like, I got her, there were a couple of days where she was actually texting, and then it was forgotten. She forgot how to do it. And, you know, so... <laughs> 
My mom is, she almost prefers texting with me. Usually I have conversations with her. Usually they go on about 45 minutes, an hour. She got me off the phone at 18 minutes the other day. Like I was generally shocked because (laughs) usually we just gab or we find something else to talk about. So she prefers texting with me. I'm taking it a little personally, actually. That's fine, Tommy. That's that's all. That's all. Can we just stick to texting, honey? (laughs) That is. That's okay. Just checking in. But I tried chatting with her the other day, and but I I also can relate to watching Price is Right with my mom. It's just one of those things that she loves it. Either she has to get home from doing morning errands to 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 get there to do it. Yeah. Or something. Eh, let's watch Drew, and then we can, then we can go. <laughs> it has to work around it, you know. It, we just try to work around it, but the recording thing has helped, you know. So that that's good. She can, in a bind, we can record it. And then the other shows are Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy at, in the evenings. So, you know, that's the other go-to. Oh, you know what's becoming uh, KCAL 9 shows uh, old Family Feud episodes. Not old ones, but just uh, like recent ones. Right. Pre-COVID. But it's, yes, yes, pre-COVID. But it's come to the point where, you know, once 7 o'clock hits, I got to turn on Steve Harvey's Family Feud reruns. (laughs) I think I could relate to getting into a game show groove. Oh, got to watch that hour, that hour of Family Feud. Um, yeah yeah it's fun i mean um what's interesting is jeopardy is actually um live now i mean or not live but it's they're socially distanced and there's actually they're not like old tapings they're they're back on set and they're doing it during all this so um like whereas you watch the other ones they're all jeopardy oh jeopardy is Mm -hmm. they're just smaller audiences yeah, and they're and like the the contestants are actually spread out more. You know, there's three, and they're, usually they're like right next to each other. Now they're kind of spread out. But yeah, it's like now. I mean, now. Uh, yeah. I've been watching Masked Singer, which is one of my faves, and they yeah. they spread out the panel more, but they keep on doing shots from the audience. Now uh, hmm. the their last season went into when COVID started because they were doing a few after, after the episode, after the episode show. So they do sort of this green screen, Nick Cannon would be on a green screen talking to people at home who were dealing with COVID-19. So now they have this new season and they keep on doing clips to the audience, but I'm like, nobody is there. You know, it's the same I, I think that they are using old stock footage of audiences. I have not. It must be, yeah. Um, but also when you, they have from the stage shots where up above the, uh, up above the judges panel, there's audience. And I'm wondering, are they CGIing in audience just to make it feel like <laughs> it? Because they might obviously be. already, the show's already been affected by COVID-19 but they're pretending like it's business as usual. Yeah, Um, it's like a weird world. I mean, when you're watching television with things like that, it's kind of like we are in some kind of weird movie where they have to put canned laughter and canned audiences and fake 
things to kind of make it feel, or just like when you look at, you know, baseball and other sports that are still happening, they have to have, you know, fake crowd sounds and I don't know, it's just kind of um, interesting, but. It is interesting. Kind it of is. creepy in a weird way, I don't know. It, it is, I mean, for a sound editor, it must be something interesting. Oh, it was a bad call. Let's find that booing crowd sounds. <laughs> controversial call or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's kind it's of really strange. Good job. I mean, aside from the small crowds that are being let in, you know, like Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, they're they're letting in probably I think maybe one fifth of their crowd, which is still sixteen thousand yeah. people spread out in a fifty five plus thousand venue. I mean that's you know, I, it's hard to know what is really, you know, safe and what isn't. And, you know, everyone has a theory and, uh, you know, but you look at New Zealand and they've had so few cases and they're, they're back to business. They've been like that for months. And for some reason, our country is not taking the cues of countries that have been successful. Oh. But, you know, I mean, that's where it starts to get political, but the it shouldn't. Like, safety should not be political. It should just be about health and safety. Like, that's what's just so frustrating about what we're living in is how everything is politicized, even something like our health. So. Uh, yes, I, I really don't understand that. I mean, they had health care sewn up a long time ago in this country, and then the wealthy just talked us out of it you know this is uh, and i don't understand why healthcare is such a radical idea when universal health care is almost a 100 year old concept created by a conservative think tank and it was written out of the new deal is what it was it was yeah it could have been part of the new deal but Wealthy, wealthy politicians at the time thought it made us look too much like Europe after World War Two, after World War One. Yeah. And can you imagine? I was just thinking about this. Is like, uh, you know, had had England, you know, had there not been been any revolution, had there not been any American Revolution. Had England grown out of monarchy and turned over to a parliamentary system like it has done, where the monarchy is basically dressing at this point, uh, this continent would have a national health care system and boring television. And that's it. But no! Yeah. We had to go the other way. We had to go with fend for yourself. Uh, there isn't going to be, I tell you what, I mean, out of 23 states that haven't rat ratified the Voting Rights Act still to this day, yeah. 23 states, uh, those Congress people, those, those senators are not going to give the same health care to their constituents oh. that they get on a regular basis. It's, I think it's just stunning. And I lived in, as you know, I lived in Montreal for three years yes. and I was a guest in their country on a work visa uh -huh. and I was a thousand percent covered. I mean, um, a thousand percent. Listen, I know. I just, I felt like being more hyperbolic, but you're a thousand percent covered. <laughs> it makes it sound more exciting. I don't know. But I mean, I was 
fully covered. And, and here I was not even a citizen. I was working in their country and paying taxes. So I guess they said I deserve to have the, the full lot. <laughs> and I did, you know, I, I got sick here and there. I, I even needed an x-ray a couple times on some issues and, um, you know, and it was just really lovely. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it's, I, I love being back in my own country. I came back right in 2000, well, right around, uh, when was it? End of 2017. So I was like, yay, I'm back, you know, happy to be back in the U.S. for a lot of reasons, to be with friends and family. Um, but that is one thing I do miss about Canada, <laughs> is they, they seem to have that part together. You know? What else did they have together in Canada? And we'll talk about why you got to Canada, but I mean, what else was so together there? And you were like in a very, I mean, you were, I mean, Montreal was sort of French. I mean, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it is a hybrid, right? It is really, it feels like both North America and France got together and had a baby. Um, and it's funny because you look around and it look, and it feels like very American at moments. But then you're reminded, oh, wait, no, this is kind of European, too. Um, for example, you might see a Walmart and, you know, people that look very American walking into Walmart, but then they're like, la, 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 and then they have this beautiful <laughs> accent. And it's just like, what? And then, you know, it's just, it's like a perfect hybrid. You feel Even the noise. white trash sounds sexy. Yes. <laughs> like you'll go to the hockey game and you'll, you'll see people spitting and yelling out French slurs um and you know you'll hear the the language around you but you're seeing like yeah that feeling of kind of a i don't know i don't want to say white trash but you know just kind of uh you know very north american type folks and but french-ish but you know and there's also there's a lot of anglo um canadians as well that are mixed in so you have french speaking francophones and the anglophones kind of mixed together and there's always this little bit of tension between the two you know that's like a whole nother i mean thing that happens there, there, there's some because of separatism that went on in in uh quebec uh -huh. in the 90s and then before that there has been a lot of you know there were times where quebec wanted to separate from canada and just have their own government and be their own thing and the Anglos were like, hey, what, what, why do you like Canada? What's wrong with Canada? And, you know, so they had their own tensions there that, that. Um, they had but a now it softened quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Quebexit, I guess they would call it. Quebexit, yeah, or Quebexit. I don't know if they, what the, I'm sure there was a term. I don't, I, not, I don't really know. But um, so it is kind of interesting because I had friends that were both Francophone and Anglophone. And sometimes you'd hear some like, oh, well, you know, people kind of talk down about the French Canadians. And then some of the French Canadians would talk down about the Anglo Canadians. You know, you'd, you'd feel that tension a little bit. But it, usually it was more in fun. They all have an affection for each other. They ultimately they're all in it to, to win it. Right. I think if it was in the 90s when they were having the separatist movement, it probably looked a lot like our divisions and hardcore polarization we see now in America in the, or in the U.S. But, um, you know, now 
I think those tensions have softened over the last few decades mm-hmm. in, in uh, Quebec. Um, well, what are we going to do? What are we, what are we going to do or what have we already done? You mean, what are we going to do this election? Oh man. I mean, what do we, we got to do? The bare minimum, we got to vote Joe. Yeah. That's the bare minimum, right? I know you're, you were goading me to say that. <laughs> I was, I was. I was we too. have to hashtag got to vote Joe. Um, but yeah, I mean, it starts there. People got to vote and they got to vote Joe. Um, and they got to vote in droves because what's scary, I don't want to go down a dark path, but if this election comes close, it leaves a lot of room for shenanigans. And, you know, the Republicans really don't have a lot of, um, they don't have the numbers like we do. We have the numbers. They don't. So they have to cheat. And if there's any dispute in, in some of these elections, some of these uh, battleground states, it's going to leave a lot of space for litigation, for them to cry foul, yeah. to not let the, all the votes be counted. Cited and, in the courts, yeah. And then something that has been said, you might expect this more to be not an election night, but an election month. Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of votes that are not even going to be started counting. A lot of these mail-in ballots that came in, a lot of states don't even start counting until election day. 8 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them are, are already getting a head start, which I think that every state should be getting a head start. But it's just not the case. Every state has their own way. And um, a lot of people think that what's going to happen is because conservatives and Republicans, they tend to be the party that don't wear masks and aren't as uh, afraid to go to the polls or, you know, their their safety measures are out the window. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be the more in-person voting on election night. And the Democrats tend to vote early or vote by mail. Um, and they, you know, what, what a lot of people are projecting is we might see what's called a red mirage, but then a blue shift. So the night of election, we might see a lot of states look red because they're counting up the in-person votes. Um, and they might look more red because those are the guys that went in person that weren't taking safety measures. Yeah. Um, and then over the following days, as count, votes are being counted, we'll see a, a blue shift. But that's where the issue is. A lot of, even Trump has said out loud, like, we should have a winner on election night. Well, if we don't, we got to let the votes be counted. And we might see these blue states come up later. And that's what's scary is I, I fear that there could be a lot of shenanigans and, and um, litigation. And of course, that's why we have this new appointed um, Supreme Court justice to, to help, you know, just give Trump the election. So that's why we have to vote and we have to vote in droves. And when he tries to sow doubt in the election process, it defeats people, it makes people think, oh, I guess it's not worth it. I'm just not going to vote. It's going to be like 2016. And people just feel defeated enough to maybe not even show up. So that's why we got to keep the excitement. We got to, I know there's a lot to be down about. There's a lot to be dark in this time about in terms of COVID and racial tensions and 
just the prospect of what if he wins and blah, 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 blah. But we have to turn that around. We have to turn around the script, right? If we flip the script and say, no, this is exciting. This is about Biden winning. Let's make it about gotta vote Joe. So that's where I'm, you know, I'm trying to do my best because minimally we have to vote. Yes. But, you know, if there's other things we can do, like try to, you know, and I'm using social media, you know, maybe that's a lazy way to get excitement, but people are, we can capitalize on people being at home right now and looking at their phones. So why not? And if you can create even more fervor online, what I've been doing is um, a campaign called hashtag gotta vote Joe, where people explain why they vote Joe. And it could be one reason, it could be many reasons. You could nominate other people to tell them your reason. But if we keep it all about Joe, instead of all the reasons why we hate Trump, because of course we, yeah, there's so many reasons to not like him, but um, let's try to flip that script and get people pumped. Uh, very pumped. Uh, you know, so much to the pumped where uh, you watched the town halls last night, or you at least watched one. I've only watched some tidbits. I have them recorded. I've been so busy at work. I've had two nights where I work till midnight, so I just okay. haven't had a chance. <laughs> okay, well, I watched Joe Biden, and spoiler yeah. alert, spoiler alert, uh, he was, it was boring, but not in the way that you think. Mm -hmm. It was a comfortable boring because he was sitting there actually <laughs> getting a chance to explain what he is going to do. And, and each time hoping that he answered the person's question that he was answering. And it was, it was the exact, Daphne was sitting next to me. She was like, yeah, I've checked out on half of this stuff. And I was like, but <laughs> I'm listening, half listening. It's boring in a good way. And right. I mean, it may be a spoiler. We're already sort of leaning towards this guy. This guy is a career politician and he loves being a politician. There's nothing more that Joe Biden was made for and put on this planet was then to legislate, lead, and assist others in the best way possible. And, yeah. and listening to his policies, and I knew that over on NBC, MSNBC, it was just going to be chaos. Mm -hmm. And I am ready to not be triggered by a tweet that is not being sent by Joe Biden. You know, <laughs> I, am, I am ready for that. I, am, I hear you. Like, it's refreshingly boring, right? He's refreshingly boring. It's like, we need that right now. I think that's what we want. We want just milk toast boring. And yeah, that I, I could But to say, that. but to say, hey, white supremacy is bad, wear a mask and, and let's create wealth for black and brown people in America. You know, I mean, he was- yeah. You know, I, again, spoiler alert, I know you'll get to it and yeah, we'll, I will. we'll get to why you are so busy and uh, your your career, which took took a shift and took you to Canada. But all right. So first, uh, pre us meeting, because I think you and I probably met 
I'm going to say like 2009, 2010. We've probably known each other for a little over 10 years now. Yeah. Um, doing music. That sounds great. Doing musical improv, hit and run musical improv. So we'll work yeah. to there. What got you to meeting me? How did you, how did you get, how did we, how did we end up in the same place? Where did, where does it start for you artistically uh, to that point? Uh, yeah, I mean, we were in the audition that day together. But, but like, what, doing improv and deciding yeah. to be an actor and an entertainer is mm. an insane pursuit. So what got you to that insane pursuit? Um, do you come from- Oh, I see what you're saying. Family? Do you come from an artistic family? Did- uh, yeah, I am obsessed oh, since I was little. I was obsessed with Saturday Night Live. And it was when I first, the, this was the moment I, I was like, this is what I have to do for, for my life. Is in the late 80s, there was a fake commercial. I used to watch it every Saturday, even as a little kid. And um, I, I must have been, I don't know, 10 years old, nine years old. <laughs> and there was a commercial making fun of the Yugo car. Do you remember the Yugo? It was a cheap, crappy car. It was the Adobe. The and Adobe it, commercial. Yes, one of my and, favorites. <laughs> my and favorite it's like commercial. made out of clay and they're like, they're patching it up. And so I at first was watching it thinking it was an actual commercial. I was little and I was just watching it like, okay, you know. And then I started hearing laughter because I was like, what, clay? And I couldn't get it. And then I heard laughter and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is part of the show. And that's when I actually understood the irony. Like I did, I, I, or satire. I don't think I really understood. So I was too young to really pick it up. But that was the moment. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. And I was cracking up and I just was obsessed. And from there, I was watching Kids in the Hall all the time, The State on MTV, Saturday Night Live. All those things, like I was just so upset. Like Tracy Ullman show, I became like literally obsessed with sketch comedy. I was like, this is the best thing. And it was always in the back of my mind. I used to do impressions with my friends and they were always like, you're gonna be on Saturday Night Live someday. That was always a thing. And I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe I will, you know. But it was kind of a, just in the back of my head, like, I don't know if that's a real serious thing. And then, um, I think uh, in, I went to college thinking I needed to go an academic route, you know, using the parents' money, part of it. I was on student loans, but they were also helping me out. And uh, I, I felt like I should do academics and was an anthropology major. And I took this huge detour. I know, like, I mean, in high school, I did musical theater. I did singing and I was very into performing. And like I said, I was obsessed with sketch comedy but like, um, something happened. I hit college. I was like, I gotta be serious. And then, um, <laughs> but then while I was in college, I was doing stand-up comedy. There was a local in Ann Arbor. There's a local stand-up bar, and I was doing stand-up. And then I was writing for the M University of Michigan sketch comedy show. Uh -huh. And uh, I graduated, realizing I don't want to be Margaret Mead, studying anthropology out in the field. I want to be, you know doing comedy so um i moved to la my aunt was living here and she's in you know used to be a dancer and 
she was running Pilates studios and she's like, yeah, come out here and you know, you can live with me a few months until you get it together. <laughs> and then uh, that's, that's really how it started. Then I started taking classes at the Groundlings and which is an improv school, as you know. And then, um, and then I, I joined a sketch comedy show called The Third Floor at Los Angeles in the early 2000s. And we, we got a lot of press. We, LA Weekly uh, reviewed our show a couple times. We, the development guy at SNL came to a couple of our shows and we had meetings with him. And oh. Nothing really panned out from that, but Good though. still exciting. And uh, I, because of that, we, you know, we had people from Mad TV that came to our shows and I had a couple auditions with them. Um, so I feel like I got as close as I could at that time. And then I kind of got focused more on commercial acting and, and doing commercials. And, yeah. um, and then I saw the hit and run. Oh, I was, I was taking improv classes at IO West. Okay. And that's where I met Steve Wilder. Yes. And Steve Wilder was like, yeah, I'm going to start this musical improv thing and, and you should audition yada yada and that's when i kind of was like yeah let me come back and then i saw you and we got together and i at hit and run and started doing improv i'm still trying to recall where i saw the hit and run audition thing i don't know if it was yeah. on if it was on a facebook thing i think it was backstage west no or uh, I see. Maybe? See, the thing is, is I didn't really, I didn't really look at any of the, I didn't look at any of the trades then. Um, huh. I don't know. Not for the life of me, remember how, how I made that connection. It might have been through comedy sports because the auditions were in the shed behind the comedy. Oh yeah, sports. yeah, yeah. That I bet that's what it was. I love that you brought up the state because I, for whatever reason, I watched a lot of kids in the hall. I didn't watch a lot of state until afterwards, until it was available on Hulu and I got to mm -hmm. binge it uh, and I, while I was working for Hulu as a customer service person. They were like, look, calls are going to be few and far between. Go ahead and watch TV. It's part of the gig. And that's real. They were like, we're going to pay you to watch TV. Watch it. The more you watch, the more you can talk about it, blah, blah, blah. That's so a great gig. Watching all of the state. It happened to be available. And um, uh, and, and I'd never seen it before. I loved, And I loved going back and seeing all those young faces that have gone on to have like, so many great careers like Joe Lutrulio and Ken Marino. And the reason that I bring that up is because on Twitter, when this whole COVID thing started, because I, I follow Ken Marino, uh, Ken Marino was inviting people. He was like, hey, can I call you and talk to you? And I was like, yeah, I'll take that. I'll, hang, I'll, I'll do a conversation really? with Ken Marino. So uh, Ken called and we had a chat and I was just like, you know, same comedian, uh, actor, and you follow him on Twitter or on uh, Twitter. IG, Twitter? On Twitter. And he was inviting people to, you know, call and just talk, pe put people at ease, you know? Did so. he ask you to dip his balls in it? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to get to. I was like, put me to dip my balls in. Uh, we didn't I met that. him I when I worked. About, uh, 
I didn't okay. like, I didn't try to fanboy too much. I was just, right, uh, right, of course. Was like I've seen you in public and I have, res and I have, and I have sort of resisted the urge to go, hey, yeah. Ken Marino, high five, you know, but, uh, yeah. but I think the only thing that I mentioned is Black Monday because I think that's what he had in mm. his raft before all of this thing went down. Yeah, he was um, a voice on Bob's Burgers for a few episodes. And um, so I saw him in the table reads when I worked on Bob's Burgers. And uh, I introduced myself. I was a little bit of a fangirl. I couldn't help it. I'm like, hey, you know, I have to admit I'm a big fan. I used to watch The State religiously. And, you know, i just really happy to meet you. And he was very nice. Yeah. He shook my hand. And yeah. And, we, you know, there's like a breakfast bar because we always do the table reads in the morning. They have croissants and eggs set up and, or, you know, egg burritos and stuff. We're just like eating uh, our breakfast. But love that. that I couldn't cool. believe it. I was like, it's Ken Marino. <laughs> he's yeah, he's something yeah. like, I mean, I really but he's yeah, he's a regular guy. He he's a regular guy who's had extraordinary circumstances and has been very funny. Yeah, I mean, yeah what, what a treat you got to chat with him. That's so cool. That was, that was, yeah. that was really cool that he invited that because I was, even I said to him, I was just like, this is a lottery pal. You just don't know what you're going to get on the other end of this phone. So I hope, <laughs> I hope this has been a normal conversation for you. Yeah. I bet he enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. No, do that. But so college was was what shaped you about this. I, I thought it was funny when you said, you know, I can't believe I was going to be an anthropologist and was a comedian. And I just find the parallel yeah. of anthropology and comedy. Almost. <laughs> it's just, it's just, I think your crowd is a little bit more interested and interesting than, you know, doing an anthropology symposium, you get up and do five minutes, you know, but it's sort of well, the same thing. I know. Right. I mean, well, Anthropology, the definition is a study of people and culture. So as a comedian, we are always doing commentary on studying people and culture. So it's just making it funny, I guess. But and casting ourselves as the main character while doing it, you know. Yeah, or just observing others. And I think, I, I guess there is something to be, you know, relatable about. It's funny, though, after three and a half or maybe, maybe three years of college, I was taking all these liberal arts classes, but I hadn't declared a major. So my guidance counselor was like, all right, you need to declare a major. It's getting, you're getting late here. You know, you don't have much time left. And, um, and she looked at all my credits and she's just like, I'm like, well, what, what have I been leaning toward? You know, <laughs> I just was taking classes as I liked them. You know, if I thought something was interesting, I took it. She's like, well, you're actually taking predominantly anthropology classes. So why don't you major in anthropology? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, sounds good to me. It's pretty interesting. So um, that's kind of where it went. It wasn't my passion or anything, but it is something I was interested in learning about. And, um, but I think you just kind of realize, uh, or I had that moment where I'm like, this isn't what I really want to do. You got to be true to yourself. And um you know, look, and I've, I've detoured again, right? Now I'm not even doing acting and all that stuff. I've Now I'm working on the production side. I've taken another, taken another detour. Um, well, token, that's fine. For Missouri, that's a word. That's right. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> is a Missouri word. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, we did hit and run musical improv. We had a very yeah. fun and interesting time. It was a really sort of weird time. It kind of felt like being in a new band and like trying to get yeah. that band off the ground, you know, yeah. it's like doing new and interesting and weird gigs. Um, uh, we were hit and run musical improv. So yeah. imagine whose line is it anyway and putting music to all of that on top of some other things. I think we started out like doing some well, short I, form and then sort of moved on doing long form. Is that? Yeah, that's what I remember. What I, so there were two different styles we were playing with. We had the long form musical where we'd get a suggestion for a title of a musical. Yeah. And then we would just do a 45 minute ish um, show based on that one title. And so we were working on that structure of storytelling with one suggestion. And then the other one was where we had like kind of a mixed bag of different short form games where the audience would participate a little more and, you know, okay, now we're going to do a genre game or this and that. And that was fun too. It was more like a whose line is it anyway. Mm -hmm. But my personal, I always favored the long form. I always felt like there was more magic that came out of that. But I think that maybe that was more enjoyable for the, us on stage and maybe for audiences, they might've enjoyed the short form more because they got to be a little more involved. But I don't know, I thought it was really magical when we did the long form. Sometimes the things that came out of that, I was like, wow, did we just make that up? And it still came around and it had a, a beginning, middle and end and it had logic in it. And there was like actual like character arcs and like I mean, there was some good things that came out of some of those, you know. But I guess hit and run sometimes was hit or miss. You know, there were some nights where I was like, um, well, maybe that one wasn't as good. But it didn't matter. It was always fun. Even when it wasn't our best night, it always somehow came together in some way, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as many iterations as it, as it, did, as it could. Uh, it's imp also important to note that Hit and Run Musical Improv is still happening in the Denver and Boulder, Colorado areas. Yeah. Steve is still doing still it. Still doing it. On yeah. And apparently, I don't know if they did digital shows. I don't know if they did shows like live shows like this, but I saw a message recently where he said that they were, maybe they're opening up some restrictions and they're just going to have a smaller audience, but they're coming yeah. back. I'd that. love to see how it's evolved. You know, I mean, it's neat that it's still going. Um, yeah, Steve was in my iOS, one of one of my classes there, and I think that is how I got, con excuse me, how I got connected to it, uh -huh. but um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Steve Wilder knew me, but I didn't know him. He saw me do something else, but, oh, yeah. but I, I, that was the first time him, us meeting. Um, I just discovered a whole bunch of tapes of shows uh, that we have. Oh uh, he handed over the uh, the camcorder uh, to me uh, that used to shoot our shows. So there's like five or six tapes of our shows on tape. Uh, I don't know if any of them have been digitized to see to DVD or not, but. Yeah. 
I think it's something that I'm going to do. I think I'm going to sort of digitize that to at least memory card, you know, so somebody's yeah. it. So oh, that would be interested neat. in I, digitizing it or in, well, no, if you're interested yeah. in seeing any of that. Oh yeah. It'd be, it'd be fun. Um, I have to change my chair because this chair keeps squeaking and it sounds like I'm um, passing wind and I'm not, and I want to use a chair that's more stable. Okay. Is that okay. Is there's one right here. Oh, it's, sure. It's bothering me. Right. I understand. Here we go. This one is better. And it doesn't make noise. It's a hard back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so after, after hit and run, I mean, did you really pursue acting or is that where, is that where the shift? Yeah, that was like right around when I, my, ex-husband and I were dating and we, then we got married and, you know, it's something happened right, right around that time I was shifting into, I'm married now. I want to think about having a family and I want to think about having a stable career so I can have children and all that stuff. So I started thinking about, you know, maybe, maybe I should have at some other career paths and, you know, and thinking about, what I had been doing, even as an actor, I was producing when I did sketch comedy in the early 2000s. Um, I was producing those shows myself and I love to draw. I love animation. So I started going down this road of animation and took all these animation classes at Santa Monica College and not only animation classes, but drawing and production classes, how to run um, animation projects. Uh -huh storyboards, on and on. And from there, uh, while I was there, I put together a club called GAX, Gaming, Animation, and Effects. If you can imagine, it's probably the, like just full of that to total geek squad, right? Gaming, Animation, and Effects, but it was brilliant. So it was all, all the kids that I was taking classes with, all in their 20s and 30s, we all would get together um, certain points in the week and we would work on different projects and we would put them together. We'd put ourselves into teams and storyboard and put together our own games and our own projects, our own animations, and um, actually submitted them in contests. And um, I was one of the founders of this club. So I realized, you know, I'm, I'm someone who likes to put things together and maybe more of a producer. <laughs> so, um, and I liked, and I still love animation. So anyway, this got me, an internship at Warner Brothers. I submitted online and that worked out. And then I went down this road to being on the production side of things. And uh, it's been an adventure ever since. I, I got into visual effects. They sent me to India for nine months where I trained um, uh, all the production team on, on these movies I was working on. And then and then uh, they sent me to England for five months. And then I went to Montreal on a, at a different company and worked for another visual effects company um, on a lot of movies. And then- can you, uh, uh, can you name some of the projects? I mean, they've obviously come out at this point. Oh well, yeah, yeah. I mean like, um, well, in Montreal, I worked on um, Ghost in the Shell, The Martian, um, the, the uh, Mary Poppins Returns that came out. Um, uh, Alien, and uh, you know the Covenant, that the newest one. 
Um, I mean, a lot of, you know, there's a lot, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, but those are the ones that come to mind in the moment when I was in India. And before that I was working on the 3d conversion for Jurassic park. Um, and I worked on Avengers and, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of fun projects that I got to be on. I, I really, I, I enjoyed it. It was a great experience, but I was getting tired of visual effects. I was like, I want to be back in animation. That's where I really want to be. And um, my my aunt is was still in LA. She was ill with ALS, and her disease was progressing. And uh, I wanted to come back to LA to be with her because she had done so much for me when I first moved to LA. I lived with her, as I told you earlier. And I wanted to be back and uh, help her out and and just be with her. And I thought maybe this is a good time to do it because I could also, you know, get back into animation. And then I started working on Bob's Burgers. And then uh, from there, I got an uh, not an audition. I was going to say an audition. I got a an interview with uh, DreamWorks while I was yeah. at Bob's. And um, and then now I'm at DreamWorks and I'm working on the new Boss Baby movie, which is coming out in March, 2021. March 26th is the domestic release. So it's really exciting. I'm, I'm managing a team of FX artists and um, there's about 25 artists and I have uh, a really great team. We're, it's just a lot of fun. Tonight, actually, I use my mom. I had her play the piano, happy birthday for one of my um for one of the guys on the team. <laughs> so that was fun. And of course it was all echoey and zoomy because people were trying to sing with it and it wasn't syncing, uh-huh. um, but it was really fun. So yeah, that's kind of how, how it all kind of happened. <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned Bob's Burgers now. You also, uh, because we've been doing a lot of, well, we were doing a lot of independent improv with a group that we were oh yeah you and i both joined forces that was a nice little invitation we came back to the united states to to um do improv again and and i when you when you said hey there's this group i was like improv with you maury no problem just (laughs) tell me when or where whoever shows up is fine. I've always enjoyed performing with you. And I've certainly enjoyed uh, that time because I remember when you were doing Bob's Burgers, you mentioned that you had like a little extra thing. Like you actually got to be be represented in an episode of like some- Well, I was working on the design team on Bob's Burgers. So I, my, the people I was managing were the character design artists and the prop designers and the background designers. So if you can imagine, like if you, when you watch a show, all the new characters that get designed every week, every episode, and the character designers are always using people in the office to inspire them to create new extras in the background in their drawings. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it just, uh, one of the guys, he, w- w- there was an episode, it's uh, called Bob Rome, Bob Roma Day, something like that. It's uh, season nine, I forget, I think it's episode 16 or something like that, but um, 
anyway, there's a biker chick group. And uh, yeah, one of the, actually I asked him, I'm like, if you're going to draw me, can you make me one of the biker chicks? <laughs> I wanted to be a biker chick. And so he did. He made me one of the easy beavers. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and it's got like a picture of a beaver with its legs spread out. And it looks, it, the beaver literally looks like a, a vagina on the, on the back of the jacket. Oh, very lovely. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. I don't know if I recall, is this the episode where her water broke in Bob's Burgers and gave birth like the head of the bike? Yes, yes, it is. Well, there's two episodes, I think, where a biker gave birth, and this is the later one. Oh, okay. Yeah. This, two. Is this is the one with the short hair. She comes in, and in the meanwhile, Bob is, like, getting a day off, and he's um, working at a sandwich shop helping this girl, and it's like, <laughs> a, a, now there's always, like, two side stories. So, oh, yeah. so the birth in the Bob's is, like, the second story, the B story, you know. And anyway, so there is um, a version of me as one of the biker chicks um, in the restaurant. And there's some lines, too. She's got lines. It's not my voice, but yeah. I know, right? <laughs> but anyway, so um, yeah, that's kind of fun. I use that as my avatar at work. So anytime we have meetings and, I'm, and I, if I cover my camera, it's the Bob's Burgers face from that episode. I use... What? Of course, you've been. Yeah, it's my avatar. You've been you've been avatared. Have you been avatared before? I mean, do you have more than a few avatars? Like, have you been animated before? Anything you want to admit? Like, do you have more than one animation avatar of you? Not really. I think that was it. Yeah. I think I've seen that one. I love it. That's great. I mean, I think that's a high honor. It's a very funny show. <laughs> I mean, literally everyone that works there is, has probably been drawn into the show at some point. <laughs> you know, it's like there's a catalog of different extras that they reuse in the, the town of Bob's Burgers Town that they reuse over and over again. And you'll see them repeated. And some of them I'm like, oh, that's Pete. <laughs> you know, like I'll recognize <laughs> them from... You know, that's so-and-so, yeah. Uh, you made a fun transition over to, over to DreamWorks. Is it the dream job, DreamWorks? It's pretty close. I mean, it, 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 it's pretty nice. It's a good job and, you know, you get the perks of being in a corporate job, but, um, you know, there's also a lot of, they're pretty open about other things. I mean, when we're back on campus, they have art classes. Actually, even during um, work from home, they have virtual classes that you can take like art, um, you know, different drawing classes. But even on campus, they have improv classes. During lunch hour, they do the, and then they have yoga um, down by the, there's like a little pond, koi pond, and, you know, people are doing yoga every Tuesday, Thursday at lunch. Um, and then I joined the DreamWorks band. So there's a group of us that gets together every Tuesday, Thursday at lunch, and we just jam. And um, we had some songs worked up for the 25th anniversary picnic. So we played, at, you know, <laughs> for the company at the picnic one Saturday. Um, obviously, this is all pre-COVID. Um, and uh, yeah, no, there's just like, 
even though it's a workplace, there's ways that it kind of feels like a college campus in a way where you can sure. you can kind of explore a little bit. They're, and they're okay with that. Um, I even do scratch voiceover for one of the other projects. Um, they'll call me in because I my voice sounds like the woman who's cast. And um, so they'll call me in to do her voice. And that's something. Um, as a placeholder, you know, voice. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's okay with my boss on my show. I'm like, hey, do you mind if this other project, they want to pull me in the booth at two o'clock today. Is that cool? And oh, yeah, that's fine. You know, whatever it is. So um, I, I do like that flexibility about it. It's nice. So. Uh, what's the transition been, you know, home? Has it just been just, it just blocks of faces on screens? Lots of, or do you even spend a lot of time talking to a lot of people? Oh my gosh, we have meetings all the time. I feel like I'm mostly in meetings and then by the time work is over, then I can start my job because I've, my time is so occupied with meetings. And, um, but yeah, no, we do a lot of, uh, you know, screen time with everybody. And like I said, you know, we, we still have, there are virtual um, classes and things like that. I haven't really taken them, but, but even my band, the DreamWorks band that we're called Verdugo Moon, because we're right near Verdugo Boulevard nice. near Burbank. Um, but anyway, even some that we even get together and uh, we have songs that we're working up. I haven't been as active with them lately. I've just been so busy. We have a trailer uh, deadline due and there's a lot going on. So I haven't really been participating with them as much as I want to, but you know, there's still a feeling of community there that I like. And, you know, it, it allows me to still try to be a, a Jane of all trades if I can try and learn other things. Um, but, you know, I'm in the throes of the deadlines now, so it's getting busier and busier. So lately it's been a lot of just work, 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 you know, not as, not as, uh, I don't know, as loosey goosey, but like before there was a little more space to, to do all these other creative ventures on campus. Um, like even, we even had a stand up comedy night. They would bring in people that per were performers on, you know, the tonight show and other places that would, and then improv groups from uh, the Upright Citizens Brigade would come in. Uh, this was like the first Thursday of the month or something like that. And it would, it, there was a stage right on my floor in between cubicles, there's a stage with a, a bar and they bring in food and drink, you know? So they try to keep, um, I like that they, they try to make it a nice place to work, you know? You hear that America, wear a mask so my friend can go back to her dream job. That's right. I want to go back to living the dream. Isn't that what all this comes at? You know, I don't, I, I don't want to switch it back to that, but it does yeah. sound like an incredibly positive place to work in a place that uh, is, the surroundings are inspirational to keep, to keep those who are working on campus inspired. At least that's what it, it sounds like. Yeah, know. it's so key. I mean, that, you get so much more mileage from your staff when they're happy. <laughs> and there's a lot to that. Is there, I mean, besides the obvious being out, yeah. uh, being out of the obvious, uh, being out of the office, excuse me, yeah. what, what is 
what has changed forever about this business or at least the particular business that you're in that probably won't go back to necessarily what have you learned by by not being face to face that yeah that isn't going to go back to well i think honestly just knowing that we we can be up and running from home like we're literally making a movie from our houses i mean it's kind of incredible actually mm -hmm. that we are making a movie from home it's weird and yeah the fact that you know they were able to get us up and running it took a lot you know that our systems team um had to really work to you know to develop tools so that we could all have the right enough bandwidth as well so that we could do all that um it took a lot but now that we have that capability i think it might um for future projects they might be a little more flexible about letting people work from home a little more that people with families and things like that maybe maybe that could change a little bit of the culture um but i think ultimately everyone would prefer to be on campus it's so much easier to just walk over and knock on someone's door go to their desk and, and instead of you know hammering people on chat rooms and um sometimes i can get you know we have like a g chat that's how we are communicating for most of it it can get a little bit much because you're getting bombarded from all <laughs> cylinders you know <laughs> Um, but, you know, but again, like we, we try to still keep a nice positive flair on everything, even though we're all working from home. Um, like for my team, every other Thursday, we have a game at the end of the day. So next week we're doing poker. It's virtual poker and it's not with real money, but it's really fun. And then we'll have like, um, we'll play taboo on another night. Another night we'll play those, like, I don't know if you've ever played Jackbox TV and I think this is happening all around the country in a lot of these work from home companies. Uh, you know, they're trying to do things like that, but we'll try to do a lot of gaming just to keep morale up, you know, and things like that. I don't know. I mean, it just makes it more enjoyable. I love games. So <laughs> yeah, I do. I love game and I love poker. I can't wait till next week and I actually won once. So I'm very proud. Are you really? Okay. So this is news. Are you quite the poker player? Have you always like, been. Well, I, I think I'm medium. Well, when I lived in India, I used to host poker games in my hotel room. I, <laughs> so we'd have like, there'd be a lot of the Indian staff that would come. And then uh, some of the, there was some American staff too. But I, you know, I was living in a business hotel, basically, like a residential hotel. And they were pretty spacious. And, you know, I was really lucky because our company would pay for room service or whatever we wanted. I was there for nine months. Can you imagine? I could just get call up ice cream and popcorn and wine whenever I wanted. So of course I would call up food and stuff and invite people over. And, and, uh, I went downtown Pune, uh, which is a city I was living in. And I saw this little place that had poker chips where you could buy poker chips. So I was like, that's it. I'm hosting poker. And, um, I used it for all that you know so yeah I, i'm not like an amazing player i just like playing it because again i i love being around people i love the sense of community um and uh you know it's just an excuse to bring people together really yeah what do you want to get back to after all of this is done and there will be an end to this i i i 
I, I believe that. I, what are you looking forward to getting back to? What do you miss? I'll be honest. I'm looking forward to going back to dating because, you know, I'm divorced. <laughs> I've been living with my mom for four months. So, you know, you can imagine that uh, ah, yeah. it'd be good to get back to dating in a safe way. Yes. <laughs> And we don't mean the grocery store. No, no, no. <laughs> not the Safeway grocery store, but yeah. Exactly. Uh, I imagine there are people who are still doing that. You know, they're yeah. running up that road, climbing up that hill. Yeah, I mean, there are folks. Well, you know, Tom, I live right now in a gated community and it's on a golf course. I live on a golf course right now in Florida with my mom. Like. So we you can live see at Del Boca Vista Estates, basically, is what you... The mean. what? Del Boca Vista, from where the Seinfelds lived. Well, exactly. So <laughs> I am definitely the youngest person in this community. So there is not any dating going on here. But um, I, I, if I go back to LA, like even with COVID, I've, I would do this social distanced and masked. And I just want to get to know more people and, um, you know... I, I like the camaraderie of meeting people. I do too. I miss, yeah, I do miss being around people. And then of course, yeah, I just miss my good friends. I miss just seeing people in person, you know. This has been a treat. I'm glad that I got to see you and talk yeah. to you. I don't, I can't recall the last time that we've spoken like well, We did some of the Zoom improvs, right? Which was good. I yeah. was trying to, you know, it's so funny, you know how when we get together and when we get together with our group, usually a big portion of it is when we decide to do a game is about three or four people explaining the game at the same time before we actually get down to That's it. That's actually part of the funniest part of this whole thing. Really is. It is really the charming We could part. only record us trying to explain the game. Because so, everybody feels they have a better way of explaining the game. <laughs> no! So when we were doing that first Zoom improv and like the first chunk of it was like, no, it's this way. No, if I may, it was this way. Wait, just, but actually think of it like this. And it felt so, I I felt like I, we were in the room together when we did yeah. that. Yeah. It's just like that. That's how it always is. Even when we were, you know, rehearsing at the Irish bar, it was the same thing. Uh, we'd all, all be kind of talking over each other and... But you know, it. I I find that you are really good at steering things and focus, getting everyone focused. Because I think that's what happens is it's like being in a room with everyone who has ADD. It's like, all right, we need Tom to get us focused. You know? <laughs> I, I've been, it's been nice to come in and do that. I wish. I hope. I. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to when we can all do that again in person yeah do i like i i, I do miss being around uh, people however you know sometimes sitting and staring at four walls and not leaving your house for a long time was what i was doing before covid because that's what you do as a actor you know you just wait for the next audition so some days there aren't any yeah yeah of course <laughs> So I felt like I was pretty prepared for this, but I've had enough. I really, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And 
we're unnecessarily in this situation. We didn't have to be in this situation this long. Nah. Just, I mean, yeah. Had we been on another timeline, had we chosen the other pill, <laughs> had we, had we chosen pill. the blue pill, guess what? Yeah. Being a whole different everything. I, I, I have no doubt COVID-19 would have come knocking no matter who. Oh, yeah. Of course. Was around. Yeah, but it did come knocking and it's just been the... But this is affecting everyone now. And I mean, if people aren't motivated to vote, they should be because everyone's lives are affected by this. This is touching everyone. In the past, I could be like, well, yes, I really want, I care for this community and that community and I want to vote for the right thing. But it wasn't, things weren't affecting me directly for the yeah. most part. I was just voting my conscience. But now I'm like also voting for, this is actually affecting my life right now directly. It is. Well, yeah. I think it's always, I think it's always been, it's just that we haven't yeah. that, we haven't been that clued in. I mean, there really has been a great awakening. Uh, social media has been yeah. part of that, but yeah. it has been, it has been a group or multiple groups of people refusing not to put the hammer down to hammer away that their message is like, look, this is the way things are and you're just not seeing it. So yeah. uh, a big portion of the population has had a great awakening. Uh, what is one quote that I've seen in the last few years? What do you mean you're not political? Your employer's political. The person that you rent your apartment from is making a political decision. And they're all making a decision to either to either charge you more rent or pay you less salary. So get in the game. Yeah, no, I, I, I guess I didn't phrase that really well. I, what I meant was, it's now just so obviously affecting us directly. Like before, maybe it was not as, you just sort of like, things are so normalized a certain way that you just kind of, you kind of fall asleep at the wheel and don't pay attention. But like you said, this is because it's so um, in your face, uh, everyone's waking up. I think I want this to be, I, it, Every election since 2000 has been the most important election of our lifetime. I am ready for that sort of period to come to an end. Of... Go that, like the bell curve. Okay, now can we just like, <laughs> can we just chill, have boring presidents and things are normal and boring again and, you know. I, I kind of work on this, I, you know, I mean, it's sort of a, it's sort of a pithy and might be a, a, a too simple look at it, but government, the, the construct of a government is of, by, and for the people. So it's created by people, run by people, for people, so people can get out of their own ways. I mean, I really do, if we didn't have government, people uh, would be getting in their own way and others, others would, you know? I mean, there would be a certain level of chaos. Politics, is the whisper campaign against government, you know? Yeah. Uh, our government is three co-equal branches of government. Politics is those three co-equal branches of government aren't as co-equal as you think they are. Look it up, you know? And it's creating, you know, politics is the doubt that has created 
and what government has already created. And there's vast many different versions of government, but what we have uh, can work. And unfortunately, it's gotta be big because if you're going to insist everybody have babies and not be in control of their reproductive futures, then populations are gonna grow. And if populations are gonna grow, you're going to need more representation to fulfill those populations needs. So, we, so what we are dealing with is incredibly psychotic. You're dealing with a party that does not want to govern, wants small governance, but wants to force everybody to the outcome for government to, to split at the sides at some point. Mm -hmm. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the crazy making to stop because that's all it's been. It's that's been chaos. Like you said early, earlier, this comes full circle because in the beginning you were talking about how you know that the NBC, MSNBC, that's going to be the chaotic town hall thing to deal with. Mm -hmm. And then there's the, the boring Biden rational conversation town hall on the other side. <laughs> I'm ready yeah. for that. Yeah, the one that's going to put me to sleep. I, I, I'm fine. I'll take that. I'm, I'll I'm take sleep. I, I, I like learned sleep. more about my constitution and government. I had a great civics class, by the way. I had great high school civics class. Mrs. Kavanaugh, one of the best teachers I ever had. She even, talk, she even taught us about spending and the stock market. She was like, this is important to you because this is what's guiding people's decisions right now. So you need to know about this. So I, already, I always try and thank Mrs. Kavanaugh for teaching, for <laughs> trying to show me at least good civics and introducing me to the, but the last four years, and you know, this is another reason why asshats who are in charge always say you're welcome after the fact because yay if it hadn't have been us having sticks up our ass then rock and roll wouldn't have been as great you know so you're welcome <laughs> it's, yeah. it's always that residual you're welcome by by the establishment that if there wasn't an establishment then you wouldn't have anything to rebel against you're welcome yeah just waiting for trump to say you're welcome hey you wouldn't have even known about half of this stuff had I not been in charge, you're welcome. You you wouldn't have even it wouldn't have even affected your lives. So yeah. is I don't know, my takeaway from it. Yeah, there's a lot of takeaways. There's so many takeaways that <laughs> uh you know. just to wrap us up, what do you wanna what do you wanna what do you wanna push? Do you wanna here's your chance to pitch oh. you? Where can people find you on social media if you want to? Oh. What, uh, how should people uh, engage as far as hashtag? Gala? Yeah, I mean, um, well, Mari Levitan, you can find me on Instagram that way. I am on Twitter, but I never use it. So, um, but there is the hashtag gotta vote Joe that I'm pushing right now. Um, if they want to just say on, Facebook, post out why you got to vote Joe and nominate th three or more people to say why they got to vote Joe. Um, if you go on my Facebook and if you go onto that hashtag got to vote Joe, I'll give you the JPEG. It's a blue, basically just a blue JPEG that says 
it's a graphic, a simple graphic that just says hashtag gotta vote Joe. And you can add it on to your post and just get people to post blue. So you just see blue all over everyone's newsfeed. And if you nominate three or more people, then they'll nominate three or more people and it'll just keep spreading and spreading and spreading. So that would be the immediate thing I would push. Um, but yeah, can connect with me on Facebook or Instagram. Um, maybe I'll try Twitter one, do- one day. <laughs> Twitter is Thunderdome as far as I'm yeah. It is just- Can I also push the ukulele orchestra? Absolutely. Check out our- Push it all. We have, our, we have maybe five um, work or quarantine videos that we put together. It's on Vimeo, um, but we're called the UOWH, the Ukulele Orchestra of the Western Hemisphere. So if you look up UOWH on Vimeo, you should stumble on some of the, the quarantine videos that we've been doing. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, go see that, because yeah, those are great. Um, fortunate to get to see them on. Oh, and I should mention Jennifer's video contest too. Yes. Yeah, because we're working in conjunction together on that. Uh, It's called SoGoVoteAlready.com. And all that is, is just making a simple video um, to encourage people to vote. It could be funny. It could be sad. It could be anything. It could be your thoughts. But it's a contest where prizes could be won. And uh, it's pretty fun. And I had... What I'm doing now, oh, I should, I should mention, um, I keep like extending my, wait, let me pitch this, Tom. Oh, pitch everything. Um, <laughs> so we're in phase two of Gotta Vote Joe. And phase two is Blueify, hashtag Blueify. So if you do a video or a picture, you can put a blue filter on it and post it on your Facebook. So the idea is now people can just post videos and pictures if you don't want to do the graphic and, and, um, just to get people to think blue and just see the excitement. You don't even have to put a reason. I think sometimes it's more powerful and it's more of a statement just to have a blue video or a blue picture. And um, there are free apps you can get on your phone to easily make your video turn blue. So it's just everything's filtered blue. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what I've been doing. My mom and I did a video um, where she's playing the piano and I'm singing and doing the ukulele and she's singing too. And we're just singing and, and jamming for democracy. And then I took that video and I filtered it blue and it's on my Facebook page. But I also entered it into the SoGoVoteAlready.com contest. So um, you can see that on YouTube. If you, if you go to my YouTube channel, just go to Mari Levitan on YouTube and you'll see it. All right, so you're on YouTube, you're on Instagram, and you're on Facebook, and we can find very important things like that. And Twitter, you know, I mean. I don't know. You you and a million bots, really. You, me, and a million bots are on Twitter, (laughs) I think. Yeah. Um, This has been awesome. Thank you very much for talking with me. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you. Extending, Extending the episodes of Bad Timing with Velvet Tom. Uh, will you tell me from the start, what you're, what are you doing again? I'm writing letters to Battleground State. So I basically, I signed up on this program where you adopt 20 people in Battleground States and you write a letter to them. They give you each address of each person 
and you write a letter to these people that are maybe undecided or lean Democrat, and you try to encourage them to go to the polls and vote. And, and there's something about a handwritten letter that they say it actually makes some difference in some states. So I, I uh, adopted 20 Floridians that I'm writing letters to. But you basically, you sign up and then they send you your list and your addresses and you, they, they actually have a PDF that you print for each letter. It's a template and then you, you handwrite inside it. That's great. Well, that was another exciting episode. Thank you, Mari, for recording with me. You were three hours ahead of me. It was late, so thank you very much for hanging in there. What a lovely guest she is. Oh, we're going to have her back really, really soon. And you could hear our conversation always seem to steer back to politics. Stay politically active, folks. Stay community-oriented. It can only start with the few miles that are around you. How can you be active in that way? Because that grows and that sends a little butterfly effect. Uh, Also, I want to dedicate this episode to the memory of my dad, Velvet Tom Farnan Sr., who passed away seven years ago this month. So... We're dedicating this episode to him. His family misses him. There isn't a day that goes by that I do not think of him or think of something that he taught me or think of something that he said. I know what he would say about COVID-19, especially after seven months of being cooped up with my mom and not being able to go anywhere. He would say, this is bullshit. And he's right. It is bullshit. And the quicker... Uh, We can mask up, do our due diligence, uh, keep our hands clean, and uh, basically don't do anything stupid and adapt, folks. Let's do this and adapt so we can get over this. Uh, Also, as usual, I'm going to pitch the website. Go to velvetom.com. You can listen to this episode right on the homepage. You can also go to all of my other social media, including my YouTube page. Got a new video load it up you need to go listen to it and thank you very much for listening to this and if you'd like to support the show please uh, send me any denomination uh, via Venmo at velvet-tom I would appreciate that and if you can't just keep on listening because I'm going to keep on doing this it is really nothing but just sweat equity and time but I would uh, appreciate just a little help along the way times are tough i know that they are so as usual folks wear a mask wash your hands stay completely safe but most importantly stay velvet